Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. One of the keys to, like, maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise-wise. Imagine you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress. Niggly pains and aches are among the hardest thing in running, I think, anyway. The, the intuition and the detective work needed to decipher whether a nagging pain is just a passing change taking place in your body, a part of the normal discomfort of pushing yourself or something that, if left unchecked, will develop into something way more serious can be immense. And whether you've tender shins, heels, toes, arches or hips, tight neck, Achilles or glutes, Irish athletics legend, your coach and mine, Sonia Sullivan is here to help you with the detective work and hopefully provide some simple, no nonsense solutions and guides to help you with whatever ails you. How are you doing, Sonia? I'm good. Yeah, looking forward to the to having a chat tonight I think we've got a shopping list of uh, niggly bits to get through a lot of them yeah but before all that it's the final week of Lent and the Irishman running abroad challenge including the Mother's Day 10k and the St. Patrick's Day 5k and elevation this week have raised a stack of money for our chosen charity partner Jigsaw.ie Sonia we need to talk about this week's Hills Challenge of course because I think it's the toughest. But before that, we need to mention our listener of the week, Simon Egan, who committed to running his own Irishman Abroad Challenge of 1000 kilometres. Now, Simon is an avid listener to the show and, like a lot of you, is a pretty new runner. You may remember Simon Egan from such emails as my eyes nearly popped out of my head when I tried to drink that homemade post run drink that Sonia recommended. (laughs) Remember this? Well, he did it. He ran the thousand K. He raised over a thousand euro for Jigsaw. And on top of that, and this is the bit that made my head spin. On Sunday, he ran a PB 5K of under 20 minutes. I mean, we should be charging for this, Sonia. This is banana <laughs> stuff for a fella only running since we started the podcast. An Irishman Abroad gift bag is on the way to Simon. You can be like Simon and take your own challenge alongside me by joining me on idonate.ie. Set whatever target you want for yourself and raise vital funds for Jigsaw, the Youth Mental Health Centre for Ireland. Sonia, what do you make of that? That. It's great. You know, it's great to hear stories like that and to see people really, you know, making their mind up and committing to, you know, challenging themselves. And they're not waiting for me. Simon, he's not waiting for me to tell him what to do. He's getting out there and doing it. And, you know, that's the thing is with running is that you can advise and you can guide people along the way. But it's that personal, you know, decision 
to really kind of not kind of let the negative thoughts come into your head, not the days that you don't feel like running to kind of cast them aside, but to actually get out there and run and to really, really challenge yourself and, and do what you say you want to do. And I suppose the, the key there is to tell people you're doing it. And, you know, Simon, by, you know, announcing what he was doing, by, you know, raising the money, thousand euros for Jigsaw, he's letting people know what he's doing and they appreciate it as much as he does. And he appreciates the support. So that's what it's all about, you know, is people encouraging each other and, you know, setting the challenges, but having people, you know, encourage you along the way and then maybe join maybe join you as well and you know then it becomes a whole social thing as well you know for the person running for those encouraging and you know along the way you may get some more runners coming with you yeah well that's that's the hope as i said idonate.ie congratulations again to simon you are our listener of the week before we get to talking about our 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 elevation event this week is a week-long event where at the end of the week you take a screen grab on strava of how much elevation you've gained and submit it there to our page and we will select the top 10 gainers to receive an Irishman Abroad pin. You can also send us your photographs, your selfies with the most spectacular hill that you go up this week. And that's another way of winning. If you're thinking, I'm never going to climb high enough as the Aoife Cooks of this world or the uh, Ilo out in Gibraltar, you can just take a photo of yourself in the most amazing hill you can find that you've run up this week and you can win yourself an Irishman Abroad pin. I have to give a shout out to these ladies before we get going. Colleen, Gina, Elaine, Kira and Lynn. They say, Sonia, hi, Jarlis. Just wondering if you could give us a quick shout out for a small group of avid listeners to you and the wise words of Sonia. I love that they separate my words from your wise words there (laughs) over the last few months of lockdown. We've been motivated by your journey and Sonia's rock uh, of, of common sense advice. So on Sunday, Easter Sunday, we will be completing a socially distanced half marathon from Dorky to Black Rock and return. Thanks for the hours of running listening you have both provided us as we plodded the pavements around Dublin through the last few rainy and dark months doing our training. Well, very best of luck. I mean, that's pretty cool as well, Sonia. has to be said, that is awesome. No, it's great. And I think to see them, you know, doing this together is fantastic as well. You know, to be finding ways to do things is, you know, what's getting people through, you know, this time that we're in and, you know, to be setting physical challenges and, you know, it's just keeping them going mentally is just brilliant to see it and and great to be a part of this. Absolutely. So it's really good that we're we're talking about niggly injuries today because I'm scared of this event this week because I don't know how we can avoid picking up a strain running these hills. Is walking an option? You you tell me because there is a concern that sometimes if you go at a hill too aggressively, you put strain and forces on your body that you wouldn't normally do. Your body's not ready for it. You haven't prepared it for it. You're just going to try to roll all these hills in one week. And I get scared that uh, I do something that will be a long-term thing more than a niggle. What do you say to that? Well, I think, you know, everybody, we really have to approach this week sensibly. You know, it's it's not the end of the world if you don't <laughs> climb Mount Everest in the week. Yeah, okay. And I know we all do want to run 
you know, a few more hills. But I think if you just look back through, you know, your recent weeks and you look at the elevation that you gained, and I think, you know, even to just go a little bit more than what you've been doing is an achievement. And I think, you know, running up the hills, it's not about running them fast, but it's just about, you know, I suppose, enjoying the hills and, you know, just going out there with no expectation on, like, the distance or the pace. You just pick a nice route. Like, I did it myself on Sunday. I I went up to the forest, which is about 40 minutes from Melbourne in the Dandenongs. And I know it's really hilly up there. I've run there many times down through the years, but it's quite hard work for me to do it these days. So I don't go up there very often, but I had it in my mind for this challenge. I was going to go and I knew a loop where there was three good hills in it. And I haven't done these three hills for a long time. And I just thought, right, I'm just going to do this. And I don't care how long it takes. I don't know how long it's going to take me, but I'm just going to do it and just put one foot in front of the other and see you know, how long it takes, how far it is, and how much elevation there it was. And I got off to a good start. I think I've got about 500 and something meters already. So wow. I'm flying it. Oh, yeah, you are flying it. <laughs> but I, 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 I took a hilly run on Sunday too, right? And I was going up a hill thinking to myself, what, like your words were ringing in my ears. You were like, enjoy the hills. I was like, my head was screaming what are you doing? As we said last week, why are you doing this? I I think it would be an achievement for me at the end of this week to say I enjoyed running up a hill because it just wasn't crack. It was it was it was really hard work. <laughs> and, and like, uh, is it possible to run up a hill and enjoy it? Like, I know that sensation at the top is what it's all about, right? When you reach the summit but all the way up I was like oh lord this is this is as hard as it gets am I doing it wrong (laughs) or are the listeners to take any advice from you on how to beat that internal monologue going up one of these well I think you have to think about what you're doing and not what you're doing (laughs) so you have to think about how you're moving I suppose like so you think about picking up your legs Okay. Instead of thinking, oh, God, this hit. Don't, so don't look way up the hill. <laughs> yeah, stop talking the about the hill. Okay, right. Ground, yeah. in, ground in front, so pick up the knees. Yeah, because you're going to make the hill much bigger than it is if you keep talking about it. So, <laughs> And I know some of the hills I went up on Sunday, like they are big hills. There's one called the, the Potato Patch. And uh, it's just like, you know, you run into the sky. It's straight up there. But, you know, you just pick up, you look down in front of you, you pick up your feet and don't look too far ahead and you'll eventually get there and you take a few deep breaths and you just run over the top of it and you just get yourself back into a nice rhythm again and when you get to the patch where you're slightly running downhill then you just enjoy that you know so you're not going very fast but you're just enjoying it's a much easier feeling to be running kind of over the top of a hill and and that's the key is to keep running, not to stop at the top. OK, so, um, so until, walking, you know, like don't you say don't stop, just keep it going. Don't don't stop halfway well, I think, up. You know, if you have to walk on the hill, then that's fine, because sometimes there are some hills out there that you will probably walk faster up it than run it. And so then by doing that, you're saving yourself that whole buildup of lactic acid. And when you get to the top, you can run over the top of it. This happens, you see this in trail races and mountain races. Often they can be so steep that 
people do walk as fast as people who are running. And then you kind of think, well, I might as well walk because it's saving me energy. And I'll have that energy when I get to the top. So I think you have to make the, the call, you know, how steep is the hill? And, and, and this challenge, it's not about going out there and finding the steepest hills. It's just, you know, choosing to do hilly runs rather than choosing the easy option of a flat run, which we all do every now and then, because it is a lot easier to run on the flat, but it's a lot more interesting to run over the hills. And it's amazing. I think the time goes by really quickly when you're on the hills because it takes you a lot longer to run Fine, you the same the other one. going up <laughs> yes, no 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 I can't I can't go along with that I mean I'll tell you at the end of the week but I, I mean the time does it felt like I felt like I was it felt like everything was slowing down like my whole like my whole interpretation of the world was slowing down going up these hills and I wasn't going running to the sky I, I hear what you're saying though about Pick up the knees, focus on your form. Don't talk about the hill. <laughs> That's a great tip. <laughs> I'm like cursing the hill. I'm like looking at it going, why did they put a hill here? Uh, and really just get out of your your negative head. Comfort zone. Yeah. Uh, out of your comfort zone. And, and use your arms as well. Use your arms, yes. you know, to help you get up Ooh. like pretend like you're skiing you know and you're using the ski poles to yeah, pull yeah. yourself up or okay you know you feel like you're pulling pulling rope through your hands as you're going up the hill final, you, know, you can visualize all these things and distract yourself from the pain final question on the hills going down right coming down on the other side is there anything people can do just to be careful as we're about to go into our niggly injury chat is there anything you would be able to advise us on if we're just conscious that, OK, this was a bit steep, I'm a little bit out of control coming down here, I'm working against gravity. Are you meant to, you know, tighten your core, lean back into it? I mean, what are you what are you meant to do when you're going back downhill to avoid injury? Well, it can depend on the surface a lot. So, you know, if you're on a footpath or a bike path and it's pretty smooth, then you're as well to just go with the flow and, you know, let yourself run down the hill. You know, there's no point holding back. But if you're on a rocky, slippery trail, then you have to be really careful and you have to watch your footing. So that's a lot more difficult. So, you know, as long as, you know, the, the path is free, then I would just run down as you feel. You can be like a kid, you know, put your arms out and everything and <laughs> stop yourself from falling. <laughs> Swing your jumper around the top of your head. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as long as you don't, I mean, you know, you've got to be somewhat sensible and not, you know, I suppose the main thing is just don't get injured, you know. Mm. And I think that is a thing during the week is if you do feel, you know, you know, if you feel any tightness in your calves or your Achilles, that would be the main areas where... You might hurt yourself or coming downhill with your knees, then, you know, just adjust it accordingly and, okay. you know, don't take those kind of risks. Um, but I think, you know, you run with the surface and with the, the flow of the hill and, you know, try to find some runnable hills. Well, uh, best runnable hills are much more enjoyable yeah. than, you know, bringing mountain going running up, hills. Yeah, going up an actual mountain. Well, best of luck to everybody. Please do post your pictures and your screen grabs next Sunday of what you've managed to do. And in some ways, yeah, I'm looking for, I am looking forward to it in the sense that I'm not going to be trying to run fast. I'm just going to be trying to scale whatever peaks I'm doing. Well, when I cast the net out there for what's your niggly pain slash injury, 
that you need most help with into the Strava group, strava.com forward slash clubs forward slash Irishman Abroad. I was amazed and you were amazed. The amount of comments and the amount of different niggly little bits and pieces that people uh, need help with. Were you were you shocked by that or are you just like, yeah, that, that that's the range of and spectrum of these little nigglers? Yeah, I, I just took a quick glance at the um, the post this afternoon and I saw there was something new in there. So I thought, oh, I'll have a look at this. And then I couldn't believe the list of yeah. different injuries and niggles that were posted up. And it was amazing. As I was reading through them all, I could relate to quite a lot of them. Right. Um, well, because there are people so, that think, Sonia, uh, that it's not possible to run past a certain point of mileage without developing one or other of these. Is there any truth in that? Well, I think you're bound to get a niggle here and there if you're running, you know, most days during the week and if you're running, you know, a fair amount. So what would we call that about? If you're running about an hour most days, then you're bound to get some soreness and then it just depends on how what that soreness develops into and you know when you kind of twig that there's something sore here that's a bit more than you know just a little ache and the key you know for to stop a soreness developing into a full-blown injury that's going to stop you is how you manage it along the way and I suppose how in tune you are with your body that you actually know if something is not quite right that you need to you know, investigate it a bit more. Now, uh, let's start with my own personal niggle, which would be very common. It came up an awful lot in the comments and that would be tight Achilles, like a kind of a you couldn't even call it pain because it's like it's stiffness. It's consistently when you get out of bed in the morning and once you're off and rolling, it can even completely disappear, but it's still annoying and it can nag at me. What would your advice be on that? Well, you wouldn't believe this, but the the, the Achilles tendon is actually the strongest tendon in the human body. And it's the one that, you know, gives post runners problems and issues at some stage or other. And And the main reason for that is because because of where it's at and you know even if you're not a a four foot runner you still generally when you land on one foot as we do when we're running you put the force of your whole body weight three times that through your achilles tendon so the problem is that it's it's not just that area but it's you know the way you land i suppose is what causes it to you know get to develop into an issue and a problem and um, so yeah it's taking the most impact of any muscle or tendon in the body um, so it's bound to get sore at some point now when I mean it's called different things and there's different parts of the Achilles so there's the Achilles tendon but then there's also a sheet around the Achilles tendon which is the thing that generally gets inflamed and that's because the Achilles tendon is irritated. So if you ever, I don't know, whenever your Achilles is sore, do you ever pinch it with your, yes. you know, to see how sore it is? Yeah, or to see and if there's if any pinch, bumps in it. 
Yeah, so if you pinch it and if you move your foot up and down, sometimes you'll feel a, a crunchiness in there. And that's, that's called crepitus. And that's the inflammation of the sheet around the tendon. So when you have that, it's quite tricky and it can be really difficult to get rid of. But at least it's not the tendon. So you don't have to worry that your Achilles tendon is going to snap. Like there's stories of people who actually go out and run or jump off a ledge and they purposely snap the Achilles tendon if it's torn. What? Because it's easier to heal it oh if God. it's torn than if it's, it's got a slight tear or aggravation in it. Lunatics. It must be the most painful thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's generally, you'd often hear it with um, people who do the steeplechase. That that's where it can happen, you know, like at the split second that you actually tear the yeah. Achilles tendon. But I think what we're, what we're talking about here is chronic Achilles tendon, mm. which is kind of a nagging mm. thing. So, you know, with, with injuries or niggles, you know, they're either chronic, which I suppose would be an ongoing niggle, or acute, which is something that comes on very quickly. And that's something that, you're, you know, you're going to go and find an answer to that fast. But when you've got something that's kind of in the background, it's not always there. Sometimes it bothers you. You can tend to push through it and, you know, not really do anything about it until you know it gets really really sore and the thing with the achilles is that there's so many different things you can do like people say oh do some heel raises do you know do some massage what do you call that um deep friction massage where you know where you pinch your achilles but you really squeeze it and it's very very difficult to do that to yourself because it's excruciatingly painful yeah i think we talked about this done properly I think we did, yeah. Yeah. So another, and the, and the big problem is it's an air. It's one of those areas where it's very hard to get the blood flow in there because it's kind of out of the way. You know, the blood flow doesn't kind of naturally go down there. So in order to get some extra blood and oxygen, and you know, to go in there and to fix any little, like little tears and things that might be in there, it's good to ice the contrast between ice and water to contrast the bath um, of putting your Achilles into hot and cold water. And I think you've done this before. Yeah, and I can honestly say that Have you? Uh, I, can, I do. I continue to do it. And that is how I've managed it. And generally, I would think I've applied this anywhere that I felt a niggle. It, it, like the next one that's on the list here is runner's knee or knee tendonitis. Would the same approach be taken there, Sonia, that you just need to get your ice on it, get some heat on it and just manage it that way? Or is this a whole nother bag of snakes? Yeah, I mean, ice and heat, you know, it it has its place in all sorts of injuries. And, you know, as much as anything, it can just make you feel a little bit better and it just takes away some of the pain. But, you know, if you meet people who are new to running or you know, they're amazed that you're doing all this running. One of the first questions they'll often ask you is, do your knees not get sore? Do you ever have knee pain? And I would always say, no, no, I've never had any knee pain. And maybe it's because of the efficiency of how I used to run. But then one time I did get a knee pain a few years ago and I was like, oh, wow, I've never had this before. What is it? And I had a physio and she taped it up for me. So you used to tape it, and so that would then kind of push your kneecap up a bit, 
which that was really just a bit of a, you know, a bandaid, I think, solution for a while. But the real thing with your knee is that the muscles all around it, if they're anyway weak, then the knee is not held in place properly. And that's where you have to look at what's causing this knee pain. You know, if you didn't fall or bang it off something, then it's got to be something you're not doing right and the wear and tear over time. And so when I had this knee pain a few years ago and um, I was riding my bike at the time as well, and I thought the bike was causing it. And then I spoke to um, Jared Hartman in Limerick and he said, no, no, he said, most likely it's because your quads are not as strong as they used to be. And so the, the quads are losing strength. So you need to build them up and the bike is good for that. And also things like single leg, single leg squats, where you, you go over the edge of a step and you just go down a little bit and up a little bit. And I mean, a lot, you see, the thing is with a lot of these different things that you can do for niggles is that you need to know how to do them properly. So it's always really good to, you know, go to see a physio and try and get to the root of the problem. Because when you try and fix things yourself, and we all like to do a little bit of home physiotherapy, is that we're really just treating the symptoms of the injury or the niggle and rather than the cause of it. And, you know, if, if something has been going on for a long time, then you really have to get to the bottom of it and work out, okay, what's causing this? There must be something slightly off because it's not bad enough that it's stopping me running, but it's just annoying and it's always there. And, you know, every now and then you might get a free run, but then it comes back again. Yeah, but here's the, thinking, that's the thing, though, isn't it? And you can really get that from the comments in the in the group that uh, is it stopping me from running is a is a tough one because the harder answers that you're referring to here like getting to the bottom of getting to a physio if you're gauging whether it's serious enough for that on has it stopped me running you know some people are running through it and like i could see there was a couple of people that mentioned that they'd had a thing come up that had shown shown itself and I could just I just clicked on them to see how they're how they're what kind of mileage were they doing? Because my first thought would be that people are overrunning and that's how these things are cropping up. But some people were really having to taper back to nothing. When you've discovered you have a niggles on you, is the first thing to do ease back on the miles? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's always a good idea to do a bit less and to look back on what you've been doing, because if there is any changes in your training, so, you know, maybe the changing in the surface that you're running on, or if you've had a dramatic increase in the amount of running that you're doing, um, or, the, or the pace of the running that you're doing, then all these things can, you know, they can cause these niggles to surface and you become more aware of them. And, and it's the awareness of it that kind of stops you in your tracks and questions you when you go out the door every time. And sometimes you can feel these aches and pains. Like I was reading this afternoon about the plantar fasciitis. Which yeah, a lot that of people came were up there. About. Michael Kelly asking about that. Go ahead. Yeah, so that is a muscle underneath your foot. And 
or a it's a muscle or a, te- a tendon. I think it go. It's a, it's it's a bandy thing right underneath your foot, and people often think that it's inflamed, but it's really a tightness. And the main reason why that gets so sore is because some of the muscles around are connecting to that are tight, and that's you know so they're all pulling on each other, and then that's kind of the last band in the row, you know, from your calf down through your Achilles or round under your foot. And then you have these muscles in the front of your shin, which you might not even know you have them, but they're some kind of um, right in the front there. You know, all the attachments and stuff. And so they're all, and they're very hard to loosen up because you wouldn't really think of, you know, stretching them out too much. <laughs> you yeah. hardly feel them. Yeah, um, and but what, the thing is, when I when I was reading about all this, I could mm-hmm. actually. By the time I got up, I was feeling sore in my own <laughs> planter. <laughs> it's like you kind of make yourself sore because we all, in the background, these things are all probably a little bit sore. It's so funny that, that as you said it, I started massaging the inside of my instep, <laughs> thinking, "I wonder how my planter fascitis is doing." That <laughs> it is the more that it gets well, I do in that your all head. The time, like, when you mention something, you just kind of you feel around it and you check, you know, how is this feeling today? And you can go, which is which is a great idea to do that, you know, because oftentimes you just lace up your shoes and run out the door. But if you have the time to just kind of do a little bit of self-massage, a little bit of stretching, a little bit of care, I think, of these areas that can be achy and niggly, then it definitely helps to kind of stretch them out a little bit and, you know, then, you know, that extra five minutes of warming up the muscles and trying to stretch it or even just a little bit of massage before you go out the door could make all the difference. Well, I have to how put, you pick you up the on that there, right there, Sonia. To me, that's the biggest change that's taken place in my running journey is that probably the last since the last injury or momentary dip that I had, I've been warming up like properly. I basically wasn't I was doing the old Irish 80s secondary school go out there lads now and run some laps uh, that that was still in me and I obviously went down a YouTube rabbit hole like so many listeners to this show have done into the power of warm up and I realised I was never really warming up even in the first six months of our journey here but after warming up for a full two kilometers of stopping, doing some lunges, doing some squats, just taking my time over it. And as you always say, trying to enjoy it, trying to enjoy even this part of it, recognizing the gratitude that I need to feel for being able to do it, that honestly, I feel a million dollars on the run now versus what used to be my acceptance okay the first two kilometers are going to feel like hell they shouldn't at all right if the warm-up's good enough the run should feel like crack or fun on some level right yeah well i mean definitely when you look back over your run the first kilometer should always be the slowest because you should really just be taking it very handy when you're starting out and and yeah if you do get to stop you know even if you have to stop at a traffic light on the way you know, to use that time to do a few stretches and, you know, wake up the muscles so that, you know, you just feel a bit better as as the time goes on. Well, we work up the leg now that we've we've gone through the Achilles and the plantar fasciitis. We work up because shins and calves 
appeared again before we get up to hips and glutes the shin as you say uh, one that I think Clydesdale runners will know all about that when I had the extra weight on me I definitely felt it more in my in my shins is that is that a big part of this and is that like an inconvenient truth that all of us have to face that if you lose some weight your shins won't hurt as much yeah your shins and probably a lot of the other aches and pains as well like I think anyone who's carrying any bit of extra weight and you know that's not necessarily mean that you're too big or anything but like any bit of extra weight at all if you're used to being a bit lighter when you run will cause you to have you know a a bit more stress on the muscles and and the body and you know anything I read today I was like going through all the injuries and I had a look and this excess weight and poor running technique was added into everything so that wasn't the main cause of everything but this was something to consider if this may be the reason why you're getting these aches and niggles and stuff so it's just something to think about and if you know you feel that that is the case then you just have to take things a little bit slower until maybe you're at your weight that you're more comfortable running with and that you feel a bit more efficient with you know so that just means that you have to start off slowly start on running and you know then you have to include some running and walking so that you build up the strength in your muscles gradually rather than overloading them straight away and yet the shins is one that you know you hear a lot of people asking about shin splints and that's a bit of a general term it's not really a specific injury it's just a a term that people use when they have pains in their shins and then you know it gets quite painful and so when people start running first and and the pain in your shins because you know if you feel down the front of your shin bone there's not much muscle there but there is some muscles and there's the attachments of your calf muscle and these peritendinitis i think is the one at the front of your shin and so it's all the kind of the muscles there and then the fascia which is the structure that attaches the muscles to your bone and so that can just get a bit pulling away from it and then that causes pain and the pain can increase depending on on the load that you're pushing it through and so if there's a normal load it can be a fairly tolerable pain and then if there's a slight overload it can become more painful and then if there's if it's very overloaded then you know the pain can be nearly unbearable and then if you push through even further that's when you know, what we call shin splints, but is really shin pain, it can eventually turn into a fracture because the bone, and it's generally down in the narrowest part of your shin, and then it just develops a hairline fracture oh God. in your in your leg. And that's when you, you know, you know you've got that when it's just every step you feel it. And, you know, how to test if that is, you know, what we all fear and, you know, we just don't want to have that stress fracture or if it's in the early stages of stress reaction, if you try and hop on your leg that's sore and you can't do it for two or three times, then there's definitely something bad. Major, then yeah. it's definitely a bone issue. Well, And that's when you have to just completely, you know, take the weight off for a few weeks. Yeah, and get yourself to a hospital, probably get a get an x-ray. I know. No? <laughs> 
um, I've got a split <laughs> in my bone. I mean, what, what? surely I can't but let it, just take that easy and watch but Friends. But they can't fix it. They can't fix it. Um, you know, that's the difference between a stress fracture or a stress reaction and an Achilles injury oh. is that with a stress, a bone injury, you have to stop and you have to let it heal. There's nothing you can do to fix it except time. Mm. And you can do other activities which actually do help to generate healing, you know, things like water running and cycling. Once you've given it a couple of weeks rest and you can, you know, take, you gradually start to weight bear but on the bike and then walking. But with the Achilles injury or niggles, they don't fix if you stop them. You have to keep them moving because, you know, it's the tendon is going through the sheet and if that stops working, it gets a bit gunked up and then, you know, it, it just doesn't get any better. Tanya, this so is, you just have to keep that moving. This is like this weekend I watched a movie called Insidious on Netflix. And that's what this is like. It's the scariest movie I've ever watched in my life. I'm telling people right now, don't watch this movie because I wandered around the house convinced that there were people in every corner. And now listening to you, this is very similar. I'm like... I am holding my face and you to describe some of these things. I'm terrified now. You told me early doors to get these little sleevey things for my, I don't think that's the technical term for them, but they're like shin sleeves. Oh, uh, and but are they calf guards? I think they're called. Are they calf guards or yeah, calf? Yeah, you you know the yokes. Everyone There's will no know reason. what I'm talking about. You see people wearing them. I've seen photos of you wearing them and uh, I think I, uh, the classic, I lost one of them in the wash. <laughs> Who knows where that has gone? But I have one of them left and they are a great joke for anyone. I have to say who's having a little bit of even post run just to stick them on. It's weird, isn't it? That that little kind of grip on your shin can really help afterwards with that bit of pain. Why do you wear them? Yeah. I would wear them if I, I suppose, if I need a bit of security going out, that you're going to keep your calves together. Like if they're a bit, if I feel any aches and pains in there and I'm a bit nervous that, you know, by running I might pull something or strain something because that's, you know, calf injury is the thing that we all have to be aware of that people call it, as we're getting older, they call it an old man's injury sometimes because a lot of old men, <laughs> and that wouldn't mean really old men, that would be just older men. Um, and it's probably because, you know, they're so keen that they don't actually, you know, listen to their body and they push through it and then before they know it, it's gone. And, you know, I would see this from a lot of, you know, people who ran when they were younger and then as they get older, they come back to running and their calf is gone again, you know, they'd be saying. And um, so, so, you know, that's something I suppose I would be very aware of that because I have seen it so many times with people. If you just go that step too far that the calf pulls and once it's gone, it's gone. You know, then you've got to stop and you're out of action for a while. This is so a I think once horrific episode, Sonny. <laughs> <laughs> once it's gone, it's but gone. We, we... Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, please tell us. Tell, we need tell to go me... back, actually. Yeah. We need to go back here to the, the planter, the planter for shiters again, because even though we're having a discussion about all these kind of niggles and things, we probably need to give a few tips on what you can do to relieve the pain as well, you know, <laughs> alongside 
massaging and icing. Absolutely. And, you know, the plantar fasciitis is one of those things that you can, you can put a ball underneath your foot and roll your foot on it to massage it. And now you, depending on how painful it is, you can go with a golf ball, you know, if it's in the early stages, but that might be a bit too severe if mm. you're really, really sore. And then, you know, you could go with maybe a tennis ball even or a hockey ball, a lacrosse ball. Yeah. Yeah, a hockey is hockey and lacrosse is probably similar, is it? Mm, yeah, no, I, I have one under my foot as we speak that I got with. It came with. <laughs> it came with a foam roller that I got, and uh, yeah, oh, right. it feels yeah. a bit like a. You like you wouldn't throw this ball for a dog. I'll put it that way. It's a heavy yoke. <laughs> no, no, he might break his teeth. <laughs> but it is. Uh, it it does feel amazing, even if you aren't suffering from plantar fasciitis I think I got this remember when I had that pain across the top of my foot from lacing my shoes too tight they, right, like yeah. it is a, yeah. it's a lovely massage underfoot get get one of those even if it is a slither is what Tina had a big argument mm-hmm. with me over the weekend over whether a slither is a ball <laughs> I was like it's definitely a ball and the slither wow. the slither is you great put up, you need to put up a pole you need to put up a pole on that <laughs> is a slither a ball or what if it's not a ball what is it <laughs> that's what Mikey said <laughs> so Mikey's like are you are you saying a rugby ball isn't a ball ma uh, yeah total side issue <laughs> send in your comments on that one uh, the book that you sent me though just as a kind of shortcut for everybody here who who, who okay, we're, we're obviously not going to get to everybody's niggle, but this book that you've recommended by Brad Beer, you can run pain free a physio step five step guide to enjoying injury free and faster running. I mean, could there be a better book on Amazon? This yoke you've been reading and you think this is a decent pickup. It's great, yeah. I mean, I've been carrying it around for a while. I actually got a present of it because I, I was on his podcast, oh, very which is, what's it called? The Physical Performance Show. Mm-hmm. And um, so the book, yeah, and I, you can, it's one of these books, you know, it's not a book that you can sit down and read before you go to bed at night. It's not shoe dog. And get into it. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, <laughs> I don't know, you might put them in the same category. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's more of a manual, you know, or a, mm. a textbook, you know, and so you can dip in and out of it. But, you know, when I was going through all the comments this afternoon, I thought, oh, this is the book now. We'll have the answer to all this. And, you know, it had a comment on every single issue that was brought up today. Okay. Um, so for that alone, I thought this is this is great. And then he has like a kind of a five step plan of how you can be injury and pain free. Okay, um, I can I can actually hear people adding it to their of. Amazon basket as as you say that. Uh, <laughs> it's in mine and I, I will pick up a copy and maybe we'll mention it, not as part of our book club, but just when it arrives here at the Regan House, we'll have a look at it. Maybe we should talk about the ultimate pain in the arse, the pain in the arse, the uh, glutes. Uh, a lot of people mentioning their glutes as a problem. What does Brad Beer say about that? And is that a problem that Sonia O'Sullivan has had? Yes, I definitely have had it. Now, I haven't, I don't pay much attention to what Brad was saying about this because this is this is a good one, actually. I was thinking about this when I was down walking Winnie earlier. And I can remember when I, I went to the vet one time with Snowy and the vet was digging his fingers into, the, into Snowy's glutes his hind quarters <laughs> and he, 
Yeah. <laughs> and as he was doing it, he was saying to me, oh, yeah, no, there's a lot of wear and tear in there. <laughs> and as he was, you know, giving snowy good going over and explaining to me what was going on, I could feel every kind of nudge he was doing because <laughs> I could relate to it. I knew exactly what he was feeling. And it's, you know, all runners will have this from, you know, the wear and tear. It's, you know, it's what carries us around is, you know, mm. our glutes. And it's also what we sit on a lot of the time during the day. And that's what causes it often really? to get very sore is you sit down all day and then you jump up and you go for a run. And particularly these days when, you know, a lot of people are stuck at home. Yeah. So what's the answer? And they, they do probably... So, well, um, there's a couple of things you can do. You can get a spiky ball is good. A spike, a yeah, the spiky ball, ball came with the other ball. The, the two balls came <laughs> together. I was like, why do I need the spiky ball if I've got the hockey ball? <laughs> spiky oh, ball, spiky is, ball is, is specifically great. for the, the glutes. <laughs> well, it can be. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very good for that. But you have to get it on the floor and you have to get it in the right. What do you call those? Um, oh, it's like a. I can't remember what the word you use now for it, but when you, you get a spot that is kind of oh, um, in, in the knot. maybe there's an, a nerve or something or there's something going along there that you'll hit this thing that will release any, you know, the kind of. Is it the IT band? Up tightness. What am I thinking of? No, no, that's down. That's, that's no, a, the IT band. That's another, another one that game. people were asking about. Yes. That's the whole between your knee and your hip hip so yeah, yeah, it is yeah. related in a way because if your glute is tight then it's likely that your it is tight and it could be pulling on your knee and is the spiky ball any use in, 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 in that so are you saying you lie down on top of the spiky ball and you maneuver it around yeah on your side yeah 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 so if you're on your side and ideally you'd be on a on a carpet or on a exercise mat because hmm. it's a bit hard to lie on a hard floor like I'm standing on now yeah and um, you kind of roll around on the spiky ball until it kind of starts to release the tightness within you and then once you've done that then you can hop on the foam roller and go up and down on your IT band and you know as soon as you start doing all this stuff you can when you feel what you're doing you can you can see how all the muscles are in, interconnected and how they all relate and, you know, how one kind of leads to the other. But the other thing, I often have a spiky ball with me or even a slitter actually is quite good. I will have one in the car if I'm going for a long drive and if you're driving a long time and, and, you know, if you're sitting for a long time, you do get this tightness in your glutes and sometimes in your hamstring tendinopathy up there the, the hamstring attachment yeah and so you sit on the ball while and you driving. just kind of move it around a bit yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm very i do lots of things while driving but <laughs> yeah, you have to pick your moment <laughs> i mean i'm assuming you're driving an especially, automatic like that is what i was going to say yeah, especially especially if you're driving a manual you have to be really careful <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that ball rolls down and gets stuck under the accelerator. You've got a problem on your hands there or it's stuck it's, under the brake and you can't get the brake down. I, I'm not sure I'd be recommending this now, Sonia, to be totally honest. A spiky ball. Well, it's not going from your glute down to the, it's not going to come off the seat if it's under your glute. True, true enough. 
True enough. It depends how much rolling around you're doing, I, I guess. I want to get to I want to get to um, as many of these as possible, right? So let's let's oh, lash in a couple. Glute, yeah? Go ahead. Hang on. I have one more stretch for the glute, which is really good um, because I did have this problem there at one point. It's funny how you can have these issues and then they just disappear. Mm, you know, they're yeah. gone. You know, they can be feel like they're there forever and then all of a sudden they disappear and something else comes up. Yeah, <laughs> You're strange. Um, but for the glute, another really good one is it's it's a it's kind of hard to describe, but it's a kind of a hurdle stretch is what you would describe it. But standing up. So, for example, if you came across a park bench, now the ideal height is a, a massage table. Yeah. So if you're at the physio and you're standing and you lift one leg up onto the bed and you do it like it's a kind of triangle in front of you. Right. So you put your foot on the bed or, or the park bench and it's kind of in a triangle shape so that you have to push your knee down. So your foot's on the bench, you're standing up, but you push your knee down towards the bench I as well. I got you. Yeah, and yeah. it really strengthens out the glute. It's 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 great. I love really that. Uh, I could nearly hear you in the background doing. Did you did you act that out? I was doing it. Yeah, <laughs> I good. did. That's why I went further away from the microphone because I was. <laughs> now doing that's it. commitment to the podcast, right there. There's a like we we need. I'll we be actually... well stretched out. I'll be feeling fantastic tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be I flying t- tomorrow. Oh, well, I feel like I've got two uh, t- two stress tonight. fractures in my legs after talking to you. You love the opposite experience uh, look we are we are kind of out of time I know that uh, people like the episodes to be roughly an hour in length so they can take it on their their long run but I think that's been massively helpful and still I say to people Sonia is in the group on strava.com forward slash clubs forward slash Irishman abroad you can see the post there on niggly stuff and I guess Sonia probably the best thing is if people have specific ones they don't feel were addressed here that maybe if you have a chance you'll ping them a a little answer but but that book that we mentioned is available on Amazon now and on Kindle just a great one to have on the bookshelf, the growing bookshelf of uh, of running books. I finished, speaking of books, I finished uh, Shoe Dog, which was our book of the month, the Phil Knight memoir, the creator of Nike. And I had at different points across the last month or so expressed a little bit I don't know what you would describe it. Uh, I wasn't enjoying the book as much as I thought I would. Like this is, again, Sonia, I actually realised this book has been bought for me twice. I haven't hadn't read it, but I have two copies of it on my shelf. Two several people bought it for me, and I don't know how many people <laughs> recommended it. it. And then I listened to it on Audible, and I think part of the I think you need to read it. <laughs> yeah, I think that people that read it had a much more enjoyable experience. But I was a little bit gutted that the book stops and listeners can tell us if they agree with this the book kind of stops at them making the public offering of Nike on the stock market him and all the original people including the the lad in the wheelchair and all these people that originally invested and lent him the money to get the thing off the ground becoming multi-multi-millionaires as a result of this public offering and just skips 1980s 90s 
2000s, just skip straight to 2007, LeBron James buying him a watch. And I was just like, I mean, my whole reason for wanting to read this book was that period of the 80s and 90s, specifically them convincing Michael Jordan. I wondered about the relationship with Michael Jordan because, you know, a lot of people would say, that that blew the doors off the company when they had in 1984 a kind of they kind of signed a superhero who made basketball shoes as much as running shoes became a thing that people wore around that made basketball shoes a thing people wore for leisure uh, were, were you as disappointed as me by that or you seem to love the book I wouldn't say I loved it, but I think I also had a follow up with the book. And so when I finished the book, I immediately, I actually, I, I don't know if I went straight into this next book, but fairly soon afterwards, I went back and there was a book written before Shoe Dog and it was called the Nike, the unauthorized story of Nike and the people who work there. It was something like, it was called something like that. Okay. Um, and that is a lot more detailed hmm. and I think after reading Shoe Dog I had a, it was like you kind of had an abridged version of the story hmm. and then I went back and I'll have to get the exact title of that book now but this one is much thicker the writing in it is much smaller but it was much more detailed and I, I, I also was aware of this book when it first came out in the 90s I think it came out and I didn't read it but I know people back then were reading it and I was running at the time when that, first, that came out but I had no interest in reading the book. And then I read it just a couple of years ago, when I, just after I read Shoe Dog. And there's great detail in that. Okay, and you might it's called that, Swoosh, think, oh, no, The I Unauthorized to... Story of Nike and the Men Who Played There. Is that the one? That's it, yeah. yeah. So you, you were um, signed by Nike. Like, this is something I'm fascinated by. And I, I know it's off the beaten track here, but like, you're like a Nike athlete. Did you at ever at any point come across Phil Knight or what are they like as a company? Because across the board, it seemed like Phil in the spirit of Phil, however much I didn't warm to him, he was so into supporting the athletes and allowing them to achieve their dreams. Was that the experience you had with them? And yeah, did you ever come across him? And uh, not directly, no, I never met him. And he, in a way, he was he was a bit like the Wizard of Oz, you know, <laughs> he was kind of someone that everybody talked about him, like they knew him and, and they knew everybody knew who he was, but not very many people actually met him. Really? I think you had to be a super superstar to meet him. Mm. Yeah. So I met a lot of people who would have, you know, worked for him and worked closely with him. And I can remember being in Athens and I think it was, it must have been the Olympics in Athens. And um, we were at this house and it was owned by Nike and Phil Knight was staying there or he he definitely had been there and his name was mentioned at the time and they had a swimming pool and everything out the back. It was a kind of a Nike place where the athletes could go to kind of hang out between their events and just somewhere to go and socialize and meet up other athletes but you know he like he all the people who work for nike would be there and they um what do they call it they service the athletes so you know you get a little special pack and everything and 
But, you know, Phil Knight, he was definitely at the Olympics and apparently he was there at some event, but I don't know many people who would have met him. I'm, I'm obviously, as a, as a shoe geek, I'm massively jealous of uh, <laughs> you mentioning getting product and getting bags of stuff. <laughs> I'm such an idiot. <laughs> and I actually thought about this, that like, if you're in it, does the gear like does there is there ever come a point where the gear and this stuff that you keep getting sent just becomes like, well, these are my work clothes. Like, do you get past the point of going, oh, this is cool. Like, I would never get over that. Or does everybody get over that? And it's just like, well, look, this is this is functional stuff that I need. I, I think some people it doesn't face them as much. I, I still get excited if, you know, new gear comes by and stuff and you know like nick he manages a lot of athletes so he gets lots of shoes and you know from different companies come by for athletes to try when they're changing shoe contracts and stuff and it's i'm always fascinated to see these new shoes and to kind of compare them you know when you tend to wear the same shoe same brand shoes a lot then it's it's interesting to see other brands shoes Hmm. and to see what they're like um, and yeah, new shoes. There's always something about new shoes. It really is. It really is. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's the yeah, smell. Yeah, you just kind of. I mean, yeah. There's something about it. I think it's great. And it's, it's the shoe, the shoe box. You know, when you open the shoe box and what's it like inside there. Um, so yeah, no, I never get tired of that. I always get excited and to see new things, to get new things, and you know, to see what's what's new this year. Sort of well, thing. Well, maybe maybe someday we'll become the first ever podcast <laughs> with its own shoe deal. <laughs> maybe that maybe that'll happen someday down the road. <laughs> now that we've crossed the mythical one thousand member mark on Strava.com, brilliant that we we did it, Sonia. I know you were pushing for it. I was as well. But now it's just into the into the 10,000 is where is where we're headed. It's so great to have that community <laughs> there. And uh, yeah, please do post your questions, your pictures from your elevation runs this this week. And it's very easy to contact us. Irishmanabroadpodcast at gmail.com. Brian Connolly is on production and he had a new arrival. Baby Eden arrived over the just last week. Hope Megan and Gabriel are doing well there. Big shout out to Tina and Mikey, of course. And uh, yeah, Sonia, thanks again. What a what a fun chat. Uh, have a good Easter week and we'll talk to you next Sunday when we're all broken. <laughs> we'll all be broken, but we'll be enjoying the chocolates and, uh, yes. you yeah, know, stay safe out there, everybody, this week. Ab- Take ab- it easy. <laughs> absolutely. Sonia, thanks so much. Talk to you then.
Yes, you 